welcome to No More Nostalgia. Nostalgia, something that's everywhere these days, from moody covers of old pop songs to big budget reboots of the films that defined our childhoods, and not to mention shiny new adverts defiling the memory of beloved cartoons and the endless reruns of old shows to unwitting new audiences. It never ends. And so this is a new podcast that looks back and reminisces about all those things that we used to love and asks if those rose-tinted memories were right or if, when viewed with these fresh eyes, it turns out they were actually a bit crap. My name is Connor Shanley and I am joined by comedian and podcaster extraordinaire Marcus Keeley. Hello there. Hello, Marcus. How are you getting on? I'm all right. Um, I'm fine. How are you? I was going to say something interesting there, but I've literally not done anything interesting. So um, I guess by default, I'm feeling fine. Well, that's one of the joys of, of lockdown that, uh, you know, you can find yourself with enough free time in your hands that you end up doing random things like starting a podcast. Well, that's it. And it's it's worth noting that we are uh, doing this remotely. We are not in lockdown together. I'm not sure that would uh, go well or end well. So we are doing this from our respective um, bunkers. Very socially distanced via the joys of the Internet. Well, soon, soon, maybe we will be able to meet up and think about all, all manner of old stuff. Um, if it's if it's going the way that it's going, you know, uh, we might be all right by um, by by summer for realsies. Or, or, or maybe next year, uh, depending on how it goes. We'll just have to wait and see. Now, me and Marcus, or Marcus and I, uh, will be casting a critical eye over that which we once loved. And we'll see if those things that we hold dear in memory have any hope of standing up to the test of time. And when thinking about what we were going to discuss in our first episode, I kind of thought, what could be relevant? Did that sound familiar at all to you, Marcus? Mm, back to the future. The one and only. Oh, I must have watched this film, I don't know how many million times as a kid. Um, when did you last see it? Um, I saw it quite recently, thanks to the lockdown. Um, my wife is a big fan of Back to the Future and I hadn't really... I, I don't think I'd actually sat down and watched, you know, an entire installment from start to finish. It's always something that's, you know, on the TV on a Sunday afternoon uh-huh. and I would sort of drift in and out. I'd more or less seen it all. Um, but not all together in one big whack. So what what better opportunity than being stuck in the house? So how, how did it strike you, you know, only knowing only know bits and pieces of it, to actually sit down now at, uh, at, at this day and age, no longer a nipper uh, on Christmas Day, um, and actually watch it from start to finish? It was, it was quite good. Um, it's something that has, well, it's aged well because it's kind of, it's, it's a weird, it's a nostalgic series of films even for the time that it came out because obviously they're going back in time 30 odd years whereas now you know even looking back on it it's a nostalgic thing to go oh look they're in the 80s you know so it it weirdly has kind of aged well well that's right um and and um, obviously they went forward and back across the series and even we well we won't mention what happened in the third one um but do you remember what year it actually did come out um, to, I'm, I'm trying to think of the year that they went back to. So they went back to 1955 in the first film, and this said that was 30 years in the past. So it was set in 1985. So I, I'm gonna guess 1985. Bingo! You got it. Bang on the money. Um, now for anyone who who hasn't seen it or has lived under a rock or like yourself didn't see it until you know recent times. Um, could you give a brief synopsis um of just what is the storyline of the film? Um, a young man played by Michael J. Fox um, is inexplicably friends with a crazy scientist called uh, Emmett Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd, or as I knew him in my youth, um, Uncle Fester from Adam's Family Values. Oh, yes. I yeah. see to me, he's always going to be Doc Brown, no matter what else he does. Well, now, to me now, yes, he's, he's Doc Brown, but for the longest time he was Uncle Fester. A role I think he played very well. Um, although saying that, I haven't seen those films in a long time either, so future episode maybe. Although I don't know if I would rate it, looking back on it. Good call. Um, I'm not sure. I've had that as probably something I have to watch again. I definitely didn't see it as much as I saw Back to the Future. Although, um, looking back on it now, I, I would guess it's been quite a long time since I watched the whole thing. So I wonder are some bits from the first and second maybe getting jumbled or are there some things I'm forgetting? Like just when you just said um, that 
Doc Brown was inexplicably friends with, you know, the hip uh, teen Marty McFly, I kind of was like, oh, yeah. Did they ever explain that friendship? I don't think so. And I was trying to pay attention to it because looking back on it, well, looking back on it and watching it recently, it was like, how, like, that was something in my mind where it was like, why are they, why are they friends? You know, how, what's, what's the relationship here? It's not really explained. I think Marty maybe accidentally bumped into him and Doc Brown got him to run a crazy errand to go and buy some <laughs> technical stuff and then he just sort of hung around with him because Doc Brown at the start you see him turn up you see Marty turn up to Doc Brown's house and he's not there and he has that giant guitar amp thing which uh, imagine the giant guitar amp was that in in Doc's house I thought that was in Marty's garage no I think that's in um no, no, it's in Doc's. It, well, it's in Doc's workshop or whatever you want to call it. Oh well, um, that shows you already that um, my memory's clearly, clearly quite fuzzy on it. So, um, sorry, I interrupted you. You, you given the brief overview of exactly what's actual story of it because I wonder if I've forgotten more. Um, yes, so they're friends for some reason, and then um, it's it revolves around a time traveling DeLorean that Doc Brown has built using plutonium. Or uranium, something radioactive anyway. Something not good. Um, and then they use this DeLorean to go back in time in the first film and then, well, also in the first film, go ahead in time because they can travel back and forth through time. Um, and it basically revolves around them trying not to upset the time-space continuum, Marty. Um, at least for the first film. The second and third films, they don't really seem to give much of a shit about that, but that's basically the premise to sort of uh, fly backwards and forwards through time. That Yeah, that, that that's kind of, yeah, it's, it does what it says in the tin, back to the future. Um, and obviously the car is probably the most famous thing of all of it. Um, ever since I was a kid, I've wanted a DeLorean. Even now, if, if, if I won the lottery, I'm pretty sure buying a DeLorean would be on my list of, of things to buy, even though it's apparently a really, actually quite terrible car. Um, how, much, how much would a DeLorean cost now, do you think? Well, um, secondhand, you get one 30 to 40 grand, probably. Um, but there is a company in America that actually bought the rights uh, to DMC for the castings and the car. And they're apparently working on developing a, uh, an electric version. Mm. With an upgraded train, generally just drives better. Um, but that's that's the geek in me. Um, it kind of says something that I know more about the um, rebuilding of the car. Um, that apparently was never that good in the first place. Um, that I should not remember about the actual film. So when I think about the film, I'm like, okay, so there's a couple of key things. There's Marty McFly being cool. There's Biff the bad guy. Mm. Uh, Doc Brown. They he gets killed in a car parking lot. Uh, Doc Brown does. Marty goes back in time, gets trapped in 1955. He has a bit of fun there, um, has to do something. There's a clock tower. And next thing you know, he's back in the present and everything's fine. Is that, is that pretty much... So this this points? is let, let me just understand this is like one of your favorite series of films and that's how you remember it it's just someone <laughs> they go back in time they have a bit of a laugh go to a few parties you know as you would and then you just go home uh, at uh, kicking out time that seems well, yeah. like it's, that's, it's well, yeah, that's the thing about about nostalgia um, I kind of worry if I sat down and looked at it now um, you know forensically and critical and analytically I might spot some things where I'm like oh I didn't really notice that when I was a kid that's that's not great or that's a bit of a stretch or you know something like that because that happened um not very recently but like in my adulthood i saw one of those kids films i love which was flight of the navigator did you ever see uh, it what was it called flight of the navigator no it was one of those 80, 80s films had uh, sarah jessica parker in it and a kid rides a spaceship or whatever uh, and i remember watching it when i was very young going oh this is amazing this is brilliant it's watched it for about five hours um and then as an adult i saw it, i was like oh so it was on tv and i just you know sat watching it and just before it even got to the end i was like why why did I like? Why did I like this? Why am I even watching it? This is just, oh, this is just ruined for me. I should have just left it as it was. And I wonder, is that the same with Back to the Future? Should I, should I just leave it as a good memory, or does it hold up if I go back and watch it again from scratch? And it's good well, to talk to you who has actually seen it recently. 
Yeah, it, 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 your tangent there puts me in mind of another tangent there, actually, about, a, a, funnily enough, a flying car. Um, when you said there, you know, you'd sit and watch uh, Flying Navigator for five yeah. hours. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang has a flying car, and that film is also about five hours. And I remember watching watching <laughs> that constantly. And the reason being, it's such a long film, you can just put your kids in front of it, and you know that you're fine. There's songs, <laughs> there's flying cars, there's there's a creepy um, pedophile child catchery type thing in it. Um <laughs> Less said about that, the better. Probably. Yeah. Um. It's. Uh. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I did see a, f- a very, very brief section of it a few weeks ago. It, it was just on TV, and I was like, "Oh, I chilly, chilly, bang, bang," and it was like started at one p.m. will be over at six forty-five, and I'm like, "How long is this film? I don't <laughs> remember see, it being that long." The irony for me is it's actually my memory of of Flight of Navigator being really, really long is completely. Um, inaccurate when i watched it again it was just like you know a 90 minute maximum 90 minute movie and it was just kind of let's compress it all and get it done put it out there you go it's on vhs or whatever but in my mind as a kid it was this really long big you know odyssey of an adventure um and then i watch it back and go oh wow it was really quite crap Maybe as a child you knew, you know, back then that this is boring and your mind sort of expanded it to feel like you've been watching it for ages and you didn't actually enjoy it at the time. You just stuck it on to go, God, I'm really bored. I can't I can't deal with any more um, interaction today or excitement. I'll just stick Fly a Navigator on. That's about seven hours long. That'll do me. I don't even remember when I first saw it. It might have been it might have been someone like hired out the video of it or something because I was I was a kid and, and video shops were a thing at the time. I've worked yeah. in a video shop that, you know, well, it, well, it was a DVD shop. At the, at, by the time I came into its service, was it a it, was it a known one? Uh, Extra Vision. It's, it's, the, no, uh, it's no blockbuster, no me. Did they have? Did we have blockbusters here? Was it Extra Vision versus Blockbuster? I I, I don't remember really having blockbuster here. I, uh, there may have been one somewhere at one stage. But no, it was extra vision. It's what it's what you did. You went to extra vision and you paid four pound for a DVD and then got extravagant with games and stuff. But actually, that's that is probably something we could do an episode about uh, in the future. Um, well, my rent, PTSD flashbacks things. of working in extra vision. And um, just to, to tease something in the future, uh, might also have been the source of one of your biggest viral hits. Oh yes, right enough. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah keep that well, as a wee, well, a wee right. hook to get them in. You know, ten episodes down the line. Bonus app. Bonus app. Um, so, yes, back to the future. What were the what were the key takeaways for you, or was there things that kind of surprised you watching it all from scratch? Um, uh, well, not that it surprised me, but I was I was well, I guess pleasantly surprised that I quite enjoyed it, and they're good. And every time something cropped up where I went, hold on a minute, that's not going to make sense. Oh wait, no, they've just explained or they've just showed me that actually we you know we did think of that, and uh, everything does make sense. A few exceptions though, um, that uh, the more the film goes on. Um, especially in the second and third one, they have absolutely no regard for screwing up the timeline. Once the first film's over and they've, they've secured uh, Marty and his siblings' birth uh-huh. by ensuring that his mother um, has intercourse with his father and not him, um, they kind <laughs> of don't really care. Also, you know, apart from the whole uh, sort of weird incest um, aspects to the film as well. What was the, what was the weird incest aspect? Um, his, his mother is um, quite quite into the idea of having sex with him oh when when marty goes well back to the past back to the past and yes i remember now and he he gets hit in the car uh the car hits him in the middle of the road and he's taken up and and uh she goes to look after him yeah it's a bit um well it's obviously sort it's it's obviously played for laughs but i didn't realize or remember to what extent that she she was like you know grabbing his leg under the table while they're at family dinner and she's just she's basically throwing herself at him at any opportunity and you kind of go all right fair enough i mean you know not that i was alive in the 50s i guess well i guess you know teenagers have always been teenagers but to me i don't know maybe it's just because i haven't had many women throw themselves at me I find that shocking and and uh, abhorrent. I don't know. To me, to me, it seems. Uh, um, I remember that 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 was a problem because you know his mum was coming on to him, um, but to my mind, that was that was all relatively innocent. You know, a bit of oh, I'll, I'll hold your hand, I'll give you a wee well, touch it, your leg, I'll give you a wee kiss, but you know, wasn't nothing subtle. more. It wasn't. It wasn't romantic. Let me wasn't just say it? that. No, in, in, even even in a youthful innocence sort of a way. Um, n- no, 
No. She's, she seems she seems relatively obsessed um, with the idea of um, having having Congress with oh. uh, her own son. Of course, she doesn't know it's her son. But, yeah, it's, it's important to point that out. It's, you it's know, not, it's not the contemporary um, internet. But um, no. so yes, that's right. So they go back. Um, and what? How does the uh, Under the Sea dance come about? Because I remember the Under Sea dance and the, the fading picture, and him, you know, thrashing the axe and the guitar to get that new sound. The the under the sea dance is basically where he he discovers or he knew already I can't quite remember he he knows that that's where his parents had their first kiss so once uh-huh. he throws himself into the mix by accident and sort of scuppers his dad's plan to ask his ma out he realizes oh if I continue doing this I won't exist because I'm I'm essentially cock blocking my own dad here um oh, that's uh, what did you call the dad uh, uh, George McFly was it? George McFly played George by McFly. Crispin Glover. Yes, Mr. Odd. Um, yes, so he his mission becomes, right, I have to make sure that my parents fall in love with each other and have the, their first kiss at the Under the Sea dance. So then he, he tries to he, he tries to become like a very intensely uh, unlikable person by sort of being a creepy, mad uh, sex offender pervert with his mother in the car park outside the dance. Um, oh, that's right. He was coming. He was coming on strong in the in the car outside. And the idea yeah. was that the idea was for George to come back and be his savior. Yes, he they they had concocted between Her savior, them. Sorry. Yes. Well, I don't know. Perhaps you know. Who, who knows? Oh, good point. Um. <laughs> Yes, because George McFly knows. No, he doesn't know that Marty is his son, but he, he uh, I don't know how he explains why. Oh, I shouldn't be with her. You should be with her. Yeah. That's not really explained other than, no, you, you two work better together, I think is essentially Marty's thinking. But so George he says, kind right, of went away. I went along with it because he was like the, you know, the, the typical caricature nerdy geek who couldn't. Wimp. Yeah, who couldn't get a, a, a pretty lady uh, yeah. with, with, on, on his own bat. Exactly. So he says, well, I'll come on strong to Elaine, which is his mother's name, and you can come along and pull me out of the car and punch me and she'll think that you're great and then you'll get together because she will think you're dead strong if you That's if you right. manage to punch me, who is Marty McFly, a five foot nothing uh, small guy and and women love nothing more than watching men get violent. Exactly. Well, that's that's what we're to take away from this film. But then, so uh, I'm trying to think now. Then, if Marty hadn't gone back, and you know it was just normal, unaffected history, how did George and her get together in the first place? If he was such a, a nerdy geek, and well, um, she was relatively hip and cool. Well, originally George McFly was in, he was up a tree across from Elaine's house looking at her getting dressed with a pair of binoculars. Okay, and then he, bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yet another thing. Yes, yeah. yet another thing. Point, point taken. Um, he, falls, he falls out of the tree and gets hit by um, her dad, That's but car. Marty has replaced him because, did he climb up the tree? He did, or yeah, yeah he did something to try and, and stop. Um, no, no, I think it was George fell and Marty pushes him out of the way. He pushes him out of the way. That's right. So he is Calvin. Yes. Because of the way it says Calvin Klein. Yeah. Yes. And that's the other thing. Once he gets hit by the car and brought into their house, um, Elaine has undressed him to the point at least of his underwear. So that's how they they call him Calvin Klein. Yeah. She's had a nose yet as his undercrackers. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. Maybe these these are the little small things that are in there for the adults watching, not um, not the, the innocent kids watching the film. It's a, family yeah, film. it's a family movie, right? I don't know. I, I would question it being content for adults to see teenagers <laughs> um, stripping each other and trying to get off with each other. Of course, they aren't actual teenagers, the actors, but, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's bound to be breaking some sort of law somewhere. They're definitely implying stuff there, like. Yes. Um, so that's how they got into that situation. And Marty's more his task, more or less, while the DeLorean, the DeLorean can't go back to 1985 because it needs electricity well yes there's no there's no plutonium or uranium no plutonium left or uranium whatever it is and they him him in 1955 Doc Brown discover oh well it, it actually needs um 1.21 gigawatts of electricity to um to, to have enough energy or some some mad science yeah, in, shit in, in place of the in place of the um 
if we Tony Murray anymore. Mm-hmm. That's right. So ah, now I'm remembering. So he he he's, when he's back in time, he goes to meet Doc, young Doc, who looks quite similar to old Doc, mm-hmm. um, and explains to him. I'm trapped. I know you in the future. Um, you need to help me get out of here. Um, and that's how they then con- concoct the plan because uh, Marty just obviously remembers that whole, remember that time the clock tower gets hit by mm-hmm. lightning um, a week and a half from now, conveniently timed. Yes. I'm wondering how Marty remembered that because it would seem like an odd thing to remember. I think maybe there was something he brought back with him. Or it might have been a wee plot device. Or or no, I think if there was a flyer, wasn't there? About yeah. the, the clock tower memorial or something, or the fundraiser, or something about the clock tower. <laughs> yes, in 19, 1985, he's given the flyer by some woman who interrupts him trying to uh, get off with his girlfriend. And he, oh, st- right. he stuffs the flyer in his jacket pocket. So then he brought it back to 1955 and Doc Brown sees it or something and goes, Molly, this is our opportunity. <laughs> or however Doc Brown sounds. Yeah, no, that's, that, that'll do. That'll do. Well, that, yeah, that was, that, was, that was just a convenient kind of, oh, hello, plot point. This is the exact thing we need. What a, what a coincidence. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it, it holds up good. It's um, another issue in it is that Biff, the the one, one of the uh, one of cinema's finest bad boys, um, lovable, is quite lovable bad boy. Lovable, he's quite rapey. He's quite sex offendery. Well, towards apart Elaine. from that, apart from that, apart from literally sticking his hand up her skirt in public and grabbing at her hole. Well, that would be assault. Um, okay, so we'll 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 glide over that bit then. Don't yeah. remember but, that, do you? No. Yeah, well, you're just, you know, I, I kind of know you remember that. I'm like, uh, to me, it, it seemed like a, a throwaway thing as a kid. Um, but now you kind of look. This at is it, normal. Now. Yeah, it's really. I'm not going normal. to do that when I'm a big boy. Yeah, that's quite. Mm. You know, that's 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 dark, like. Mm. But anyway, so he he, he yeah, oh, she you're nice spoiling this for me. But okay, so Doc <laughs> agrees to help him. Um, they know the lightning's gonna strike. He's at the dance. He gets them to smooch. Yes, and then he stops fading away from the photo, and then he ends up yes. um, on stage because he, one of the band members, hurt his hand trying to get him out of a boot that Biff put him in, or Biff's friends put him in, because Biff pulled him out of the car instead of George pulling him out of the car, and Biff was then in the car again, sexually assaulting being, Elaine. Yeah, being and, yes, and then George turns up and pulls what he thinks is Marty out of the car, but it turns out to be Biff. But then he punches Biff anyway because he he decided he's going to be a hard lad now. And he floors him, doesn't he? He knocks him out, and then Elaine goes, Oh, George, the person I've been ignoring for the past three <laughs> days. I love you now. Because women women are, are shallow like that. That's yeah, another thing we're to take away from this film. I didn't say that. The film said this. Although, but was she, was she two-dimensional as a character? I mean, I'm honestly, I don't remember that well. I remember being a central figure, but did, did, did she get much actual dialogue? Or There's plenty of character. There's plenty of dialogue. I mean, all, all her behaviours are played for laughs, and she does them very, very well. She's very fun to watch. She's probably... Uh-huh. But it would be between her and Biff, in terms of the characters, you, you would enjoy you know watching the most yeah um i don't know i can't quite remember if there's too much depth or soul searching with her really most of her scenes tend to be with marty or with her and her her girlfriends and they're discussing who they're going to take to the dance i think i can't really think of any maybe i'm just misremembering but i can't so in my mind i think the kind of the the action the plot moves things along relatively quickly there's not much navel gazing and soul searching character development it's kind of you know hit the point hit this point at that point you know the story kind of keeps its pace really well yeah everything serves a purpose there's no uh there's no fat and if there was they've they've fairly trimmed it i have to say all killer no filler yes well but uh That is an option. See, I, I could be, I could be slightly tainted, um, because I, you know, if I'm completely honest, when when I was a kid, that was probably one of my early crushes was on. Uh, Biff. Rain. No, that although that would have been perfectly fine. Um, I was more 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 team Lorraine than than team Biff, if I'm honest. I think Biff is the best thing in it. Well, I mean, uh, maybe at some point we'll get to Back to the Future too, and and there are many parallels to be drawn between mm. his character and. World figure. Um, it's very, plus, very, very prescient film. Remarkably, you know, in really, these in these really strange is. and uncertain times that we're in. Yeah. 
things money does for you. So George and Lorraine smooch and he's like, yep, job done. I'm no longer disappearing. Better get back to Doc and in the car. Um, get up to 88 miles an hour so I can get hit by lightning and have that good, you know, ticking clock. It's going to happen. Oh, the mm-hmm. wire's not connected. Oh, will Doc get it in time? Ah, oh, drama. And he does. And he arrives back in the future. And does he arrive back back in the future again just in time to see Doc get shot? Or has Doc already been shot? No, for some reason he's decided to go only 10 minutes into the well, he's going back future to 1985, past. but only uh, only 10 minutes before he originally went back to the future. Um, I don't know why he didn't give himself half an hour because he arrives, as you say, at the uh, at the uh, at the wrong time before he can do anything he about it. He could have given himself a week. He could, you know, he could have had a yeah. holiday. Exactly. He could have he could have done whatever he wanted. Um, but I suppose he was worried about bumping into himself or someone he knew. So 10 minutes is probably about right. But like 20 minutes. Come on. Like, yeah. Anyway. Um, but Doc was OK because he's taking he's taking uh, Marty's past advice to put on a bulletproof vest for the people he got the uranium or the plutonium off. And that saved his life because they only happened to shoot in that square of his chest with their AK-47s and then they just scarper because, you know, job done. Well, they they scarp, they shoot Doc Brown, then they chase Marty around in the DeLorean. He goes into the past and the terrorists, as far as I recall, crash into some sort of small structure quite nearby, you know, where Doc Brown was shot. But when Marty goes back to the future. Oh, yes, that was at the start. Yes, get you yeah, at the um, end. The terrorists aren't there, even though what they would be doing in that moment is jumping out and going, where the hell did that car go? Oh, wait, there he is there. Let's shoot them again. Or where's my where's my plutonium uranium? Yeah. Well, my instinct would be just to shoot them again, then get to okay, plutonium so uranium. They, 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 he's back, uh, Doc gets up, and Doc is all like... Marty, Marty, I'm fine. I, I, I don't take any advice in the past, but um, I'm actually going to wear it. Yes, I'll make an exception to uh, extend my life. Um, so yeah, they do shit all over the the. Well, that's not really the time space continuum because it's well, I guess it is. If time yeah. is a straight line, then yes, it is actually in the past, altering the future. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's um, butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, is it just just Marty is like, well, that was an adventure. Gee, and heads home. Um, yeah and then is it the next day where he wakes up and everything's different so uh, his 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 mum's all happy and healthy and they're all rich George has a book coming out because he's confident and secure mm. um, and then Beth is out bu- buffing the car or something he's buffing Marty's new Jeep which is a big black 4x4 Jeep that originally in 1985 he saw in a magazine or on a TV show and he went boy I love that car and oh, then like super flash kind of yeah. May of the 80s kind of um, but in the future rather than Biff being his dad's boss he is his dad's servant I guess he's buffing their cars for them now yeah so that was like bad guys never win at the end of the film yeah basically. weirdly all it took was a punch from George McFly in for, yeah for Biff to then turn into a complete um, wet blanket and not pursue anything in life must have been some punch let me tell you well, I mean, it was it, it it defined the rest of their lives. But okay, so the girlfriend's there, and he's there, and then the famous part where suddenly Doc appears, um, and is it where he starts lifting stuff out of the the bin? He goes bin hooking and yeah. explains, um, "I don't need plutonium after all. I've went into the future and got this sort of weird space blender that uh, you can just use rubbish in." So. Banana, um, banana skins that's that if you wanted the secret to time travel banana skins yes and it's very skins. very important that we recycle um who knows our, our food waste bin may propel us into the future <laughs> who knows um maybe that's what the council's really after that was the the rather brazen setup for the sequel wasn't it yes it was basically um you two are gonna have kids and they're assholes so we need to go and sort them out so jump in the car and let's uh, right. let's go off into the future Marty, it's your kids. Mm-hmm. Kids? Huh? And his girlfriend, I think, <laughs> in that particular she scene, didn't get to do much. she says literally nothing and just jumps in the car. Oh, uh, yeah, right enough. I know nothing about this, but sure, let's, let's, well, let's not drive up the road to 88 miles per hour because you don't need that amount of road. 
No, not where the, not where they're going. Yeah, yeah. You you want you want to put it together. <sighs> roads, Marty. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Uh, cue the cue the big music. <laughs> we can edit that in over the top. Let's um, not. Let, let's just leave it for the imagination of the listener. <laughs> but the music is so. The music. I actually think the music is a really important part of it. Like even that. Um, you know that thing at the start there instantly takes you there. You know the. I mean that's a, a short, simple couple of wee notes, and it sounds like you're a tra- transported. A Japanese water feature. That's what that reminds the, me of. The, the time travels. Well, you should note that down. That could be a could be a future spinoff, which which will not happen because um now we can we can sort of look at some of the the interesting bits about it. Obviously, there's there's very well known trivia, like he wasn't the first um choice, or he wasn't originally um playing the part. No, I think he was always the first choice, but they couldn't get him. Yeah, I, I tripped over my own. Use my words. Was the first choice to play Mark Fly, but due to scheduling conflicts with family ties, um, they ended up getting Eric Stoltz, whose star was rising at the time. Who that? Who that? Uh, well, he was in Mask um, and other, which was quite a you know quite a, a dramatic, quite a dramatic outing. Um, Is that the one with the um, what do you call her? Sure. Sure. It's the one with sure. I call me Sherlock. I don't know if I've seen that. <clears throat> I know what it is, but I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite a, quite a tough one, you know. Not, not a light to watch. But um, so yeah, he actually, but he was on set for a few weeks. Um, and he, apparently he agreed, and the director agreed. You know, it just, just it isn't me. It isn't working. It's just, you know, I'm clunky and it just, it doesn't suit me. I'm not, I'm not the guy to do it. It's just that you're shade, mate. All right. So if you get clear at your trailer. Nice way of putting it. Um, So obviously they got rid of him. Some would say thankfully, because, you know, that is the defining Michael J. Fox rule. Uh, He's a great Marty McFly. He's the only Marty McFly. But apparently there is one small piece of, of, of Eric Stoltz that remained in the film. Was it his jacket? Yeah, well, and possibly his fist as well. Oh, right. Okay. In the, in the, in, cause, um, it was the, the actor who plays Biff had said that he didn't think once they got rid of Exiles that they reshot certain parts of, you know, the cafe scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so he thinks that it's still parts of him, um, showing from the back, um, in the film. But other than that, no. Would he have, true. if that could be proven in a, in a court of law, no less? Um, that it was his fist that we see. Would he have any legal recourse to claim, claim? claim to royalties? Mm-hmm. I doubt it. Um, I think I think George McFly, Crispin Glover tried. Um, he was he was taken out of the second one. Uh, I think he tried to get some damages for the use of his likeness in the second one. Um, but that's a whole. I think that was settled out of court. That one actually. That was just, just a. That's that's a story for if we do Back to the Future Two. The the, the the backening the the future future <laughs> future bigelow the the blah, 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 blah. that's yeah, right yeah but speaking of future ones um coming to fun facts um uh, the rights to the film and well, entirely is owned by the director and writer and they have sworn that no reboot or remake would be authorised during their lifetime, which to me is kind of reassuring now because I kind of assume that almost any film that, that gets greenlit has in clear writing in the contract, we can do whatever we want with this for the rest of time. It's ours. So it seems kind of rare to see something like that where they retained um, such control over it. Kind of, like, uh, kind of like George Lucas with Star Wars. He retained a lot of control. Well, I mean... For in their lifetimes, we will probably outlive them, so we might we see. We might no. see. No, no, no. Back to the Future Four, Ugh. for another time. That would be a great. Uh, that would be a great uh, subtitle for it, wouldn't it? Well, apparently, the actor who plays Doc, Christopher Lloyd, um, he frequently spoke back in the day that he wanted to finish it with a fourth Philip, and obviously, it never, never happened. What would they do in the fourth one? Um, They've already went back to the old west. What else is there? Was it ancient Rome or something? He thought would be an interesting, oh. an interesting tack. And I have to be honest, compared to my memory of the third one, maybe Rome would have been a better call. Mm. Just me. me. That's the thing. Maybe because I haven't seen it so long. Maybe if I went back and watched the third one now, I'd be like, ah, 
This is a lot better than I remember. I watched I watched the third one as well, and you know what? A lot of people yap about it and and say that it's shite. I mean, it has the same feel and all. It hits all the same beats and marks as the other two. It's just but the setting is, is different. Is it just but is it just too much of the same thing? Because I thought the second one kept the premise, but kind of, you know, they had they had the future to play with, and and they you know they they diversified enough to make it still compelling. Was the third one just retreading too much ground already covered? I don't think so. I mean, arguably the first and the second borrow from each other. I mean, some of the the, the settings and the characters are. You know, some of the same ones pop up in the second as it did in the first. So if we want to go, if you want to start talking about retreading old ground, half of the second film takes place within the first film. So, you know, um, I don't know. I, 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 I liked it. But then again, I've also been watching Westworld. So maybe it's just Westerns that I like. Yeah, funny enough, in my younger years, I was never really into Westerns. It's only kind of got old. I, I'm digressing. So, I mean, we're kind of. Covered the film, uh, basic themes, things I don't remember, which thanks for that, just to spoil my memory of that innocent family fun film. Do you think it is one of the best films of all time? I'm just going straight out there with it. Was it one of the best films ever made? I mean, it, it, I mean, it's it's very well made. I don't know if someone jumped out of a dark alleyway and said, "What's the best film of all time?" And don't think <laughs> my mind would jump to Back to the Future. I mean, no. But would, would it, could it could it get a top top ten spot? Well, you mean for me or yeah, in general? personally? No, for yourself. For me, I don't know. It might it might it might be in the top ten lists in double digit form, i.e. ten. But I haven't really sat and ranked all the films I like. But it's definitely not. It's definitely not top three. It's definitely not top five. Really, it might be top ten. Don't know. I'll have to think about it. But it's not. It's not my go-to anything really. It's funny. I can sort of see where you're coming from because yeah, you know, just just ask and you wouldn't necessarily pop to mind when I think about it. It's in my mind. I find it really hard to to come up with a film that's has a better script that is as accessible for multiple age groups because i do think you, you know he gets things as a kid um and it's it's straightforward enough there you go that's what he's done there's plenty of action keeps you entertained whereas if you're an adult you sort of are slightly older maybe i was too young to get that sort of subtext you're telling me about you know which i, I had definitely brushed over the slightly more adult themes in certain mm-hmm. parts of it which you know maybe you wouldn't get away with today in a kid's film because it was pg but to my mind it's just hard to find a better story. it has pretty much everything you could want there's there's action there's comedy you know there's just what but what's, what's what's my problem is what you're asking well no <laughs> what's no. wrong with you i just think in terms of in terms of overall films that anyone can see it's 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 hard to it's hard to beat that one like and i think it's maybe it's enduring popularity kind of says something about that because it's still hugely popular despite it being what 1985 it came out so it's not like it's a a relatively recent thing yeah it's not like it's a generational thing where no. you know people who saw it at a certain age are the only ones who would like it i mean there it's you know they're not they're not bad films i, I wasn't bored at any point i enjoyed watching them uh-huh. would i put it up on the mantelpiece and look at it lovingly i don't think so i mean you're saying there you know what more could you want from a film films are supposed uh-huh. to entertain us it entertained me but it's yeah. not you know you know what i mean if it didn't it would be a bad film but it did entertain me, so it's a good film. But it's not something that uh, I wouldn't be as quick to reference that yeah. in conversation maybe, maybe. when I wanted to be witty. You know, it's maybe. just like, they're good films. Maybe this, maybe this kind of highlights the divide between our, our beloved the topic, old and nostalgia. Young. Um, well, no, the nostalgia thing because to me, I was brought up with it. It was one of those films I watched pretty much at least once a year as a kid. Christmas Day would it was always be on sometime around Christmas. Christmas Day had uh, um, Star Wars in the morning, um, something else in the afternoon, and then the evening put on ET just to make you cry after having such a happy day. They want to make sure that you don't enjoy that feeling for too long, so they'll make you cry with ET. But Back to the Future was always around then, and, and every year it was kind of almost like a, a ritual thing to watch, and you could watch it with everyone, and it was really just fun and nice, and it was an adventure, and relatively safe, it wasn't too graphic or anything like that. Um, and I think kind of, I wonder if I see it now, will I appreciate it more rather than rather than see some of those flaws? It sounds like you just got a copy of it for every Christmas. 
and, you, and then you put yeah. it on. <laughs> it's funny. I don't think I ever actually had a copy of it ever. Did you no. all just sit around and think about it then every Christmas? Yeah, but yeah, it could also be because I I love the DeLorean so much. I mean, mm. I really love the DeLorean. Um, and of course, then you hear, "Oh, that was me just down the road." Was it DeLorean? Back to the Future car was just down the road, and part of my kid brain was like, "Maybe if I go down the road, you know, on a wee sneaky adventure myself, maybe I can find that factory, and maybe there'll be one lying in the back with a, a tarpaulin covering it, and I'll open it up and discover that it's secretly actually the time machine, and it wasn't mm-hmm. just a film." Of course, that never happened. The closest I got was was the Ulsterfolken Transport Museum, where they still. Back when I was a kid, and I think you could take them to school or whatever, they would still allow you to get in and sit in it. Yeah, I don't think oh. you can. You can. I, I, me and my wife would go there, not fairly frequently, but we would usually go there at least once a year. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think you can really sit in any of the cars. You can sort of get into some of the train carriages, but again, not as many as you used to. Um, but funny that you mentioned that it was it was made down the road. Um, I have some family familial trivia for you. Oh. Um, my my granda was a security guard at the DeLorean factory and he says he met John DeLorean a couple of times. Oh, that's good. That is a good link. I have some extended family member that um, worked in, in the factory Then I think it was the fab- fabricating or something. But it, am I right saying it wasn't actually there for that long? I think it was there for a few years just because they had, that was the, I guess it was like the European uh, manufacturing point. And yeah. uh, and obviously, I think in Detroit or somewhere, they manufactured it. I don't know why I'm saying Detroit, but I yeah, think that's, that's you made cars in Detroit, you know? didn't you? Yeah. Well, no, I big... think, uh, funny, I'm not thinking, maybe that's also part of why I love the film so much as well, because it had a sort of a uh, a connection to here. Because, you know, anytime you watch a film, it was just so distant and so completely separate from the way we live here because you know everything in it's american very american and we don't have those cars that look like that and we don't have this that and the other or malls in the same way and then you discover that the central focus the actual time machine uh, i that was just that was just down a road so it was right they made it made it over there so then left what do you mean what do you mean we didn't have malls we had castle court mate <laughs> you turn up the castle court in your delorean <laughs> What are you on about? It's it's not quite it's not quite the same, is it? I mean, the 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 scale of everything American is just like we'll we'll do it just like you guys. Only we'll multiply it by ten, maybe maybe more. Mm. Oh, what the hell? We'll do it fifty times bigger. What the hell? We got the space. Let's do it. Uh, but here, it always just seemed so small and parochial in comparison. As a kid, America just seemed cooler because it was in films. Mm. But knowing that the time machine came from here was like love it. From somewhere perpetually stuck in back in time, thirty years uh-huh. ago, am I right? There's, there's, we've fulfilled the satire component of the of this episode. So there you go. Yeah, take that off the list. So yeah, maybe we'll 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 uh, we'll quickly near the end now. But um, can't keep you all night. Obviously, in lockdown, we have a, a lot to not be getting on with. I have um, some walls I need staring at. Oh really? Um, well, yeah. here if you want, I can. Well, I can. I have to send it to you by post, but I could send you some paint. Maybe a, maybe a bit of card. You could you could put the paint on it and then. You know, sounds sounds too much it, like work. Watch it dry. No. Um, yeah, right. But more fun facts. Doc Brown very nearly wasn't played by Christopher Lloyd. Um, let me think. Uh, I, well, it, it, as we know now, pretty iconic. So I can't really think of anyone. No. Who? Well, who who had him originally then, or who was considered? Um, have you ever heard of uh, a small-time actor called uh, John Lithgow? Ah, yes, the man who banned dancing. Um, <laughs> yes, I, yeah, I could see that, actually. I, that, funny enough, yeah. That would be good. Sort of. I mean, I wonder, could he do the, the manic crazy? He, he could do, I reckon, he'd actually, of all the people, he's probably pretty close. I mean, have you ever watched Third Rock from the Sun? He could easily do the manic Doc Brown tall yeah. he's tall as well the yeah. height difference would still be there um yeah i could easily say not that i would prefer him to do it but i, I would like to see that maybe if we can get a car that will go into alternate pasts yeah, and alternate funny. futures yeah. we could we could watch that because i think it would be good it is possible like you, you wouldn't you don't immediately go oh not a chance do you know how long it takes for a delorean to get from not to 88 miles an hour i do not but i would like to know 
it gets there in 8.8 seconds. <gasps> no. There you are. That's a bit of trivia I find out. Is that, is that actual trivia? or That's, that's a hot, fresh trivia straight from... Um, the internet fresh freshly steaming uh internet trivia exactly that, that is a nice coincidence i wonder mm-hmm. do you reckon they were aware well you think if they were aware they would have made reference to that especially when they were doing the tests because doc brown puts uh-huh. his dog is it einstein he puts in um the car as a test dog Einstein. how do we forget about einstein he puts the, the dog visionary. in the car at the very start and then uses that as he puts him like 10 seconds into the future or something and then the dog arrives fine i mean it's a ballsy move because he could have opened that the gold door of the delorean and the energy of a dog could have spilled it (laughs) like and that's his pet so he must have been fairly confident it would work but they could have they could have shoehorned it in because he would go marty look it'll take 8.8 seconds to get the 88 miles an hour (laughs) you know they could have said something like that but no we'll we'll just blend blender my dog yeah potentially here um because that's what they did in the space missions they sent dogs and monkeys and all came up and they came back like casserole they were the well they were the pioneers obviously yes they got exposed to radiation or just died mid-flight i think some monkeys came back and and they were they were um they came back insane so they worried that oh maybe space drives you mad and then it's actually no it's just that you've put a monkey in a rocket and (laughs) it doesn't know what the hell's going on Fired him into space, um, brought him back down, exposed him to all sorts of manner of radiation, and you wonder why when he gets back, yeah. he's a little bit pissed off. Well, why, I think it was a, a, a calm monkey. I think it was the Russians that did it, but of course, I'm sure. I'm sure the Americans were at it too. They probably sent goldfish and all sorts up there, like. Oh, America! Animal testing is, you know, it's not endorsed by the podcast for a long time. No, we don't officially um, endorse that. But more fun facts. Did you know that the executive originally wanted to give the film a different name because he was convinced that no film with the word future in the title could be a success? Well, this, well, funnily enough, we're talking about Westworld. The sequel to the Westworld film was called Future World, and I haven't seen it, but I believe the general opinion is that it is shit. So what other films have future in it? Um, Good question, actually. I don't know any, but there you go. Yeah. What did he want to call it? Get in touch, listeners. Let us know. No, this this uh, eager executive decided that instead of the iconic Back to the Future title, he wanted to go for Spaceman from Pluto. Sounds like a David Bowie album. <laughs> Space Man from Pluto. And he got that from... Do you remember where the scene when um, Marty arrives back in 1955 and crashes into a barn um, and someone comes out and he scares the life out of him with his Walkman on his ears? Um, and he basically says, I'm Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. Don't oh, yes. I remember that. I don't think I'd ever seen that scene before, before sitting down and watching it the whole way through. And until you mentioned it, I completely forgot that it was a scene i forgot that it existed so yeah i mean it was it was it was a it was a fun wee scene it get got a laugh got product placement for the sony walkman which i'm sure we'll do an episode on but you know it was enjoyable but oh, to hang the whole film on that and he didn't you know it, he, on that one tiny scene yeah that i well that i'd forgot i'm sure he wasn't thinking of me at the time but i mean i didn't remember that that happened i also wonder how confusing it, w- it would have been to try and pitch the film then because you would think it was hard sci-fi you know it's uh, this film is is space man from pluto we're gonna have little green man and stuff and blah 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 that would have probably tanked if they thought it was niche sci-fi um can no, you imagine the, the picture on the front actually the picture on the front they would have had to go with him in the full-on radiation suit well it would have been him in the radiation suit but still standing at the delorean i think it wouldn't have changed that much maybe he just wouldn't have been looking at his watch to see what yeah. time. It just would have been a spaceman getting out of a DeLorean. But it's funny that you mentioned that scene because earlier on I said I don't remember why George is convinced that he has to listen to Marty to ask Elaine out. And that's what that yeah. scene is. So there we go. That's her. I'd forgotten it. Ah, uh, yes, that's a good point, actually. Because he's like, I'm from the planet. Uh, what is it? I can't even remember. I'm from the planet Star Trek or something. Yeah, Vulcan. Vulcan. Uh, You must bang Elaine for some reason. I can't remember the exact (laughs) word. Save the Plutonians. But I mean, more fundamentally, like they they have DeLoreans on Pluto. 
Mm, right now. Yeah, it makes sense that you have them in 1955, obviously. But Pluto, mm. that's insane. Did what? Did, when was Pluto discovered? Well, was it? Did it? Was it known in 1955? I believe so. Although it wasn't I think it's a very planet. recent. Not a planet anymore either. Well, no, or no, was it not given it back again, then taken off again? It, it's yeah, it's uh, it kind of went backwards and forwards on that, and still devices for some. Would you Plus, consider a planet? Would I consider? Would I consider? Do I consider it a planet? Yeah. Would you say yeah. the planet Pluto, or would yep. you say the weird satellite that no one really no, likes? No, it's a planet. Pluto was Sorry. discovered on the eighteenth of February, nineteen thirty. So there you go. Just had to double check that, right? and then they decided it wasn't. It just shows you that the the agreement on this is 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 loose. Um, I mean, you could get into the whole, you know, how many moons are there? Well, we only have we only have the moon. Well, no. Yeah. Definition it? of moon includes almost any satellite. Follow but, the money. That's what I say. Yeah. Billy Zane made an appearance, uh, his first on-screen appearance. I have a child. <laughs> Billy Zane was one of best cronies. Oh, oh yes, he was. Was he wearing glasses or something? He, uh, he made him unrecognisable. Yeah, you know, it's, well, that's what Clark Kent does to avoid being detected as Superman. He just puts a pair of glasses on. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm thinking of him in Back to the Future 2 where he's wearing the weird, pure metal, opaque glasses that Doc has seen wearing at the end of this film. I just remember that's going, right, yeah, is the, that the, Billy Zane? You know? Billy Zane. Uh, I don't know if he comes back in the same one, actually. But yeah, t- to go back to the... Um, future. The, the Back to the Future. The music of the film. Something I, I relatively recently found very strange is the similarity between its score and a very, very different but popular and good film of the 80s, Predator. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, you would, you would, you would draw that obvious um, line between family favorite Back to the Future and alien human hunting Schwarzenegger killing machine uh, Predator film. But it's because Alan Silvestri did the score for both. And there's something about the, the, the style uh, of the way he does the music that, that's really really similar and little, he, little note inflections that sound almost the same so you're kind of getting you're watching you're watching Predator and your parts of your brain are going mm. don't call me chicken don't call me chicken alien you know <laughs> um, I, cut. I think Sylvester also did Romancing the Stone for some reason, that's, that's in the that's, back of my head. That's another film I remember seeing. It wasn't. It wasn't a Christmas Day one. It was more a Boxing uh, Day, a seven p.m. evening evening premiere. Surely it was a, a it was an evening film for Valentine's Day. Was it because of Romancing the Stone? Romancing was, the um, Stone. That was Michael Douglas, and he was he was, was that peak Michael Douglas? Was that was he was um, Mr. Hollywood? I think so. I mean, uh, he still look, he looks old in that even, but I think Michael Douglas is just. To me, always looked quite old. He did, yeah. No, I never thought he looked. But, but him and uh, Kathleen Turner before um, her voice be... went wrong. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she used to be in everything. Actually, in the eighties, kind of like we call him Don Aykroyd, Gene Wilder, all those people that were just a Chevy Chase were in everything in the eighties, and then it was like, oh, it's the nineties. Sorry, bye. I think she she had to get surgery or had some. Did she have cancer? She had something, and then once her voice no. changed, she lost like all work. No one wanted to cast her in anything, so that's why she sort of disappeared because her voice got very husky. But I quite yeah, like it. I think I, I think yeah. I saw something in recent years with her in it with the husky um, voice. She was she was still very good in it, but she looks and sounds almost unrecognizable. Mm, but still like good. Um, apparently, this this I know you mentioned the inexplicable relation between um, Marty and Doc, which, in fairness, mm. is um, it cause for concern in these modern times? Let me tell you. No, it's all in as a mad scientist. Mad scientist, they mm. get a pass. But apparently, it was the inspiration for popular animated adult comedy Rick and Morty. Well, I mean, the parallels are they are there. Although they can be drawn. They make a point of going right. That's that's his grandpa. That's that's his grandson. There's the link. Now they mm. can go on their adventures and do weird stuff. What other? I guess we should probably head towards the end now. But um, maybe give one slight mention is you know Steven Spielberg was uh, obviously involved in the, in the film, and he gives a little nod to Stanley Kubrick, who I love, in the first few minutes of the film because when Marty's over at Doc's house, the first dial he turns up is labeled CRM one one four, which Kubrick used. In a lot of his films, CRM one one four. I mean, I don't know if that means anything to you, but like it's it's one of those motifs you just like to sneak into a lot of things. Most yes. of the one I can, the immediate pops ahead is uh, Doctor Strange Love. 
Where did that appear in Doctor Strange Love? Uh, it was the machine to relay the uh, basically the order um, about you know release the nukes. Um, he had to decode it with the CRM one one four. I see. I see. I think the the original Resident Evil games, the series, oh. they, there there was a similar. I think it was like THX one one three eight, which oh. you see uh, sort of in the background of a lot of the uh, pre rendered um, environments that you walk through. THX one one three eight, and I think that in itself is a reference to something that you see in a film. I'm trying to think what Alien maybe. But I think Resident Evil mm. 1 through 3, you see that those letters and that, that code written in various Very places. Well, I don't know course. I don't know where exactly that comes from, actually. I have to say, the Resident Evil series, right over my head. I never really got into that, or the films or any part of it. So I'm, I'm coming into that blind. Maybe that's something I should, uh, at some point, take a look at to see um, if it's good. I might be talking shit here because of just... I've googled it because I wasn't sure. Um, <laughs> THX 1138 is a 1971 American social science fiction film directed by George Lucas. It's oh. his first film, so that's okay. what that is. I don't know if that actually is in the Resident Evil games now, but there is some sort of very similar code like that in them. I don't know if it is that. Or it's related. Could be. But there is, actually, there is something there. That was, I think that was his short, weird short film, actually. But um, anyway, so... I have kept you. We're almost hitting an hour here, so I, I, I realize we could talk about this for another hour, no problem. Um, but that maybe wouldn't be fair on your poor people who may or may not be listening at home. So at the end, I will say, or I will ask, does it deserve to be held up? Or, or is my nostalgia wrong? Was it actually a bit crap? Um, no, there's no parts of it that were crap where I was going, Jesus Christ, this really hasn't held up. Or this is very annoying. Or, you know, this is clearly a film of a certain time. Because they're flying through time, and it's as I said at the very start, it's a nostalgic look back to the fifties. But now looking at it in the future, it itself is a very self-aware eighties film. Um, you can look back on it fondly. There's plenty of films that were made in the eighties and are very eighties. Yes, that haven't aged well yeah. at all. Yeah. Whereas this is no, everything's fine. There's nothing really out of place where you go, oh Jesus, do you remember that? No, I mean it's all good. Um, it it weirdly, is sort of given the subject of the film it is weirdly sort of future-proofed itself in a way yeah like it's like, just yeah, hard like, fails no i know what you mean like it sort of exists within its own wee bubble and doesn't mm. i mean yeah if we come to talk about the second one that could be interesting in in terms of how they viewed the future but the first one i do think you're right i think it kind of just stands on its own isn't too dated i mean i have a bit of huey lewis in there somewhere i think but no 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 that no, nothing wrong with that at all. But I mean, that's that's one of the few things that actually puts a, a date on it because, you know, the, orchest the orchestral store doesn't really. Going back to 1955, even if you make a film now where you go back to 1955, it's going to be the same. So, you know, that part hasn't really aged. Mm. And I don't think they dwelled too much on, on 1985 while they were there. It wasn't, no. it wasn't the feature. I mean, they had skateboarding. It still exists. Correct. But... I feel vindicated then that my nostalgia is justified in this case and that it's something that has stood the test of time. This makes me very happy that you haven't ruined my childhood completely. I think I think now I may go and watch it again and sort of think about some of the things you brought up there or those slightly more adult themes that, that, that completely eluded me in my younger years and see how I feel. But I suspect I'll actually been reassured that I will love it just as much as I did then. So thank you for that, Marcus. No worries. All I did was sit and watch three films in a row. Don't thank me too much. Did Did you watch the second and third as well? I've already watched them, yes. Wow. Okay. Well, maybe we'll, we'll just have to go on to them next time. Um, all right. We, we could talk about this for another hour, and, and I'm conscious of time. So um, I'm going to say thank you very much for joining me, Marcus. Did you like to do some plugging of your pluggables? Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Marcus Cayley, which is my name. Um, I also uh, host a podcast called Instant Feedback, where I talk to various different creatives, um, as they say in, in these times, creatives and uh, imagineers. Um, and just a very, very good podcast it is. Well. Thank you. I highly recommend I just chat to them. Uh, it was, well, it started life as being recorded at live events, uh, but uh, they have all been flushed in the ah. toilet now. Also, I, you know, sometimes I just can't be bothered going to them. So they're now just sort of one-on-one -on -one interviews about whatever. So you can more, find more, that. More intimate. 
Yes, there's we, we we really cut into who this person is as an artist. Um, you can hear me ask very poor questions and very badly researched um queries of people who actually know what they're doing. Um, so that's fun to listen to. Um, you can get that on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere. Yes, and it, it is very enjoyable. Um, if you want to get your creative juices flowing, go and give it a listen. As for this one, thank you. If you've made it to the end and you've listened to the first potentially good or equally potentially ropey episode of No More Nostalgia, uh, here's hoping there will be many, 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 many more in the future. But if you would like, you can subscribe to No More Nostalgia on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods of choice. And we're also on them social media platforms. So there we are at Nostalgia No More on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagrams. So thank you, and until next time, ciao.